segment of the American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. My name is Jack Williams. I'm the American Bankruptcy Institute scholar and in residence. And with me, I have a very special guest and a great friend, Grant Stein, the president of the Association of Insolvency and Restructuring Advisors, the AIRA, and a partner in the law firm of Alston and Bird in Atlanta, Georgia. Grant, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Looking forward to it. How are you doing today? Doing well. I hope you're having a good day in this summer heat that we have. Thank you very much. I understand. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the AIRA. Uh, tell us about the organization. Uh, it, the organization, actually, its evolution has been uh, quite impressive. It began as the Association of Insolvency Accountants. Uh, the AIA about 20-some years ago, and it has grown from, as many organizations do, a small organization with a single seat, if you will, into a broad-based national organization that has gone beyond uh, insolvency accounting issues reflected by its name change. The Association of Insolvency and Restructuring Advisors uh, has broadened its base to have accountants, lawyers, uh, turnaround professionals, crisis managers, uh, you know, people on the financing side of it, bankers, uh, you name it, we've got someone that works in the insolvency area in some way uh, involved with us, you know, the forensic accountants, the trustees, and on and on and on. Uh, and that's, at least for me, has always been the draw of the organization. Uh, while I love practicing law, always have, and find it very enjoyable, learning about the other disciplines and seeing how all the disciplines work together to achieve a, a result, uh, that's what the AIRA has always offered to me uh, as one of its great allures, if you will. Grant, it sounds like it's a, it really is a kind of a reflection of uh, bankruptcy itself, uh, almost a cross-disciplinary practice in, its, in itself, and here it's reflected in the cross-disciplinary nature of your organization. Well, you know, it is, and yet at the same time, with the two certifications that we have, the CIRA and the CDBV, the CIRA being the uh, certified Insolvency and Restructuring Advisor and the CDV, the Certified Distressed Business Valuation, it still has a very focused, uh, you know, emphasis in the financial areas, in the work that you do from the financial side of the, of the insolvency practice. Um, so I may be overbroad when I start talking about what we do, we have a broad membership, and we look at all the different parts of the discipline. And yet, when you get right down to it, the CIRA and the CDBV are probably what separates us from all the other organizations. The level of training, the intensity of the training, and having that certification uh, indicating that you've worked hard and taken a test at the end of the time. I, I, I believe, without putting you on the spot, that 
you've had the occasion to teach one or two of those classes over the years. So I have, most definitely. I actually have been on the receiving side of those classes, and it is a very rigorous certification program. And it's interesting because it does make the uh, AR. AIRA unique in that uh, you certainly are a professional organization that cuts across a many many of the disciplines and subdisciplines in bankruptcy and an educational and kind of fellowship association as well. But there's a authenticating or certification uh, component to the the program as well. <clears throat> and you've noted that it's important. Um, uh, do you see those programs growing in the future, both the, the uh, CIRA and the CDBV? Absolutely. There's tremendous uh, demand for both. In terms of CIRAs, we're right about to give our 1100th uh, certificate uh, in the CIRA program, and the CDBVs, we're getting a lot of activity in the area. Uh, excellent program. And, you know, the ability to come in and value uh, businesses that are in distress and learn how to do it the right way uh, and learn how to present that properly in a uh, contested or adversarial forum, if you will, which is not all the CDB is about because not everything that's done by an expert has to be in an adversarial forum. I mean, part of what our goal is in solvency and restructuring is reaching agreement as opposed to ending up in court and letting the judge decide. <clears throat> but where I'm going with that is that's always been an area that I've had tremendous interest in, uh, just from a personal standpoint. I started uh, back in the mid-'70s with my finance professors uh, back at Emory doing independent research on valuation, and uh, that's what took me over to the law library of all places at Emory when I was in business school. Uh, and all the cases on valuation were all the old bankruptcy cases like Consolidated Rock Products and others. And the principles that are reflected in those cases, those, have, those principles have expanded over time, obviously. There's a lot more sophistication, but the valuation area is kind of what took me into the practice of bankruptcy law. Uh, and it's an area that I speak on regularly and find fascinating. And I know Jack because I have reviewed uh, one, at least, of the two articles you've written in the area. It's an area that you have an interest in, too, all of which takes us back to the CDBV. Uh, you know, it is a it is a jump start, if you will, for anyone that is interested in working in the area uh, to really hone those skills and understand the nuances of valuation of distressed businesses as opposed to healthy businesses, and there are a lot of differences. Yeah, that's a, another great point for our listeners. The CIRA, or the CIRA, is uh, the Certified Insolvency and Restructuring Advisor Certification uh, that comes after uh, a number of years of experience, practical experience, um, a peer review of qualifications, and uh, uh, a three-day uh, program with an ex exhaustive examination times three. There are three parts to the CIRA, so ultimately you're looking at about three examinations 
and nine days of uh, uh, very uh, detailed and intense instruction. And the CDBV is a certification and distressed business valuation that follows essentially the same format, a rigorous review of uh, the qualifications of applicants, a uh, three-part um, educational program and a three-part test, as well as a peer review and a pretty critical peer and skeptical peer review of uh, several work products in the uh, distressed business valuation arena. And there's something also interesting about the certification programs at the AIRA, and that is that you have an overall um, uh, ethical requirement that um, that CIRAs and CDBVs follow, which includes objectivity, uh, professionalism, uh, freedom of or, or, uh, being free from conflicts of interest. And I would take it that uh, the ethical dimension of these certification programs are important to the organization as well. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, ethics is important in everything we do professionally, obviously everything we do personally. Uh, we see that all the time uh, in the courtroom, if you will, as bankruptcy lawyers. And going back to the valuation area, the actually the last panel that I did at the national seminar uh, with Judge Clark, uh, for example, was one of the uh, speakers, uh, was reflective when you looked at the cases like Iridium, like Merrant, uh, that talked about uh, valuation and the expert testimony received that the duty of the expert to call it like they see it, play it right down the middle, not to be an advocate, uh, but to be an expert. Uh, and I look at that from an ethical perspective, that uh, you're hired to do an analysis and support your analysis. You're not hired to reach a specific conclusion for a specific side. If you do, great then they'll call you as their witness. But you have to show it enhances the quality of your work and your work on the witness stand if you play it clean. And so uh, you, you've touched on an area that I feel is extremely important um, and take very seriously, and so do all the judges that hear these cases. Yeah, Grant, um, you, you have a unique role. You're the first um practicing attorney that will serve as president of the AIRA. Uh, what are you going to bring to the organization as president that, that might be a little different from your perspective? Uh, great respect for the history and tradition in the organization of being a financial person's organization. As I indicated earlier, that is what led me to the organization, and yet one of the reasons that they've gotten me involved and kept me around is because we have focused on expanding the scope of the organization. What do I mean by that? What I mean is not just accountants, but we've got fraud examiners. We've got people on the lending side. We've got folks on the legal side. We've got folks on the investment banking side. The, the board which is reflective of the membership, is extraordinarily diverse in terms of the different disciplines that we work in. And uh, I see my elevation uh, to president as simply an affirmation 
of the fact that the AIRA does touch on many different disciplines, and then I've been there a long time, and I guess they thought it was my time, but uh, I'm excited about continuing in the way we have over the last 10 years and the evolution that the organization has been and will continue to go through. Well, have you thought through any goals for the organization at this particular time? I have, and the primary goals, uh, you know, that I have for the organization is taking what I've always considered to be some of the very best educational programs, uh, the annual seminar we do, the planner reorganization seminars that we do, the valuation programs that we do, such as Valcon, the Shanghai Conference, they do it and have always done it at a very, very high level. And there are some other organizations that I'm involved in that also strive to have just absolutely outstanding um, educational programs. I just always like the way the AIRA does it because the panels are almost always a mixture of a lawyer, maybe a judge, and a financial person, and so that you get that multidisciplinary perspective in so many areas. So from my perspective, it's continuing what we've done, which is, number one, great educational programs. Number two, continuing to broaden the membership base uh, by delving deeper into the various disciplines that uh, comprise our membership. Um, from an organizational standpoint, there are some goals that, that they have. Uh, you know, the work that we're doing, liaisoning with the Office of the United States Trustee on financial issues and the uh, legislative uh, involvement that we have where we consult on various matters. And, of course, AICPA, uh, Fresh Start Accounting, and other issues that we get involved in. Now I hear and that I will be candid with you. I don't get involved with those <laughs> to the same degree <laughs> as the financial people on the board do. Understood. I hear that the AIRA is headed back to China this year. Would we you are. like to talk a little bit about that? I know it was a great program last year. Uh, it was, uh, I can't remember if it was INSOL or which one it was in connection with. And I've looked at the, uh, at the program uh, a little bit. I can't tell you that I've studied it and who's going to be speaking. And I practice with a lot of those folks, and they are excellent lawyers, and I happen to know that some of them actually do practice over in uh, Asia. But um, I think it's going to be an excellent program. Uh, we had, I think, around 140, 150 people last year, which is an outstanding turnout, and I expect that again. Do you see the AIRA uh, continuing its expansion as far as international membership is concerned and maybe reaching out to other countries as well? You know, we talk about that, and we get involved in, in those discussions fairly regularly. Um, and I know that many of our members have international uh, bases. Uh, you know, we know, for example, Alex Partners uh, has folks over in Europe, you know, Germany in particular. I remember having some discussions, uh, and others do also. Uh, but I hadn't really thought or seen our organization expanding. At least that's not an area that I've got my finger on the pulse on. And you've touched on an important point because uh, 
not a day goes by uh, or every other day that I don't that I don't get some kind of inquiry on an international issue relating to uh, insolvency and restructuring, uh, and they're not all from the dark side, if you will. There are different. Uh, companies that are looking to make investments in developing countries that want to understand the international area and how the law works in these various countries for purposes of enforcing uh, creditors' rights. Uh, and they, one of my partners, Bill Boone, uh, he and I were just working on that with some folks out in California last week. That is a long-winded answer with the focus being you've raised an issue that I need to spend some time thinking about with Grant Newton. And I know Grant, and of course that's what the Shanghai Conference is about, is expanding our organization's reach. Uh, I think it's a reality of today that very little is national. Most of it's multinational. Of course, Grant Newton, who you just referred to, is the executive director of the AIRA and a, an emeritus professor of accounting at um, Pepperdine. Um, Grant, how did you become president of the AIRA. I mean, otherwise, you've shown good judgment in your career. Why take on something that's so demanding? The uh, way I got involved is kind of part of my historical evolution in the organization. Uh, we've talked about valuation a few times already. Years and years ago, when it was still the AIA, we ran a valuation conference with a fellow who at the time was with, with Deloitte, and he may still be, uh, by the name of Tim Ely uh, here in Atlanta and got a pretty good turnout. We got about 70 people back in the early 90s for this program. Uh, and I got smitten with the organization at that point. And they asked me to join the board uh, about 10 or 12 years ago. And I've always enjoyed working on it, uh, with it. We ran, we, uh, David Miller from Macquarie Securities, uh, or Macquarie Capital, uh, Jim Decker, uh, currently with Alvarez, and I uh, were the three co-chairs of an Atlanta national seminar that was held around 2001-2002, which was the first time that the organization had come into the southeast for their annual seminar. And that moves from year to year. Uh, this past year it was in Las Vegas. It's been in San Francisco, Chicago, Seattle, will be in Orlando next year. And we did very well uh, with that seminar. I guess what happened is this. I don't think like other people, Jack, and you know that, um, and I don't do things the way others have done it in the past just because that's how it was done. And I think at some point in time there was a decision made that it was uh, by the nominating committee that it was time to take a little bit of a chance and step out of the comfort zone uh, and move with a lawyer as the uh, president. And i got to be very candid with you. I was very honored. Uh, a little surprised, but very honored. And uh, I'm enjoying the time that I'm spending and the work that I'm doing already with Grant Newton, who is one of the most hands-on executive directors I know. I mean, uh, I know Sam Giordano with uh, ABI is outstanding also. Uh, from all the things that I've watched him do over the years, and Grant Newton is a star in his own right. Grant, um, you mentioned uh, INSOL, you've mentioned the ABI. Um, there are, of course, a few other organizations 
that the AIRA has um, uh, has good relationships with, and one it's one of its hallmarks uh, and its tradition is uh, the ability to reach out uh, to other organizations that share a common interest in the bankruptcy and insolvency field to uh, sponsor publications, uh, educational conferences. Uh, Falcon is one, for example, in business valuations, uh, the work in uh, Shanghai uh, with Insol. Uh, do you see uh, a commitment on a going forward basis to uh, those kind of type of joint or multi-sponsored programs? Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that we have done with AIRA, as you note, for years and years and years. Uh, for example, when the new bankruptcy law came out back in 2005, we uh, worked on several AIRA members. Uh, I believe you were involved in that. I was and some others worked on a book about the new law that uh, was uh, handled and distributed by the AICPA for its membership. Uh, with the National Conference of Bankruptcy Judges, the AIRA has been the quarterback, if you will, of the dessert reception on the opening evening for years and years and years, uh, which has just been a tremendous success where all different sponsors come together under the AIRA as an umbrella to, uh, to sponsor that very, very nice social event. And then we have, of course, our breakfast that we do every year at the NCBJ on Friday. And those panels uh, at that 7.30 in the morning, breakfast on Friday, are always uh, outstanding uh, and reflect, as we've been discussing, the breadth of the reach of, of the organization. Uh, the University of Texas and ABI are co-sponsors uh, with AIRA in Valcon this coming year. We're very pleased to have ABI getting involved in that with us, and that's been a great program. Uh, I think we'll be back in Las Vegas this year. We had been in uh, Florida uh, last year, and you know, it, again, it's an example of that type of cooperation. And of course, TMA, we've done joint programs with them. So the point that you make, and it's, it's really nice that all these different organizations with all their various focuses, we think of ours as a very special uh, niche in the restructuring uh, area, are able to work together so successfully. Grant, um, we often get a lot of young folks just starting out in our profession uh, that listen to the podcast. And What kind of advice would you have for them in regard to getting started in the AIRA and maybe moving up in, in leadership? Well, I want to come at that from two perspectives. Um, the first perspective is we've talked about the CIRA, we've talked about the CDBV, and those two certifications are not easy to attain. They take a lot of hard work, just like the same hard work that it takes to get through college and get through law school or business school or graduate school, whatever. But those are investments that you're making in yourself in your ability. So for a young person to be sure to take the time to make those investments, and those investments don't stop after you're 30. They don't stop after you're 50. We have folks in their 40s and 50s getting the CIRA and CDBV. Uh, so the, the first point is take the time to make the investment. And 
And the second within our organization is for a young person coming up, reach out. People sometimes won't ask you because they don't know you, but if you show an interest and you show a willingness to assume responsibility, you'll be given responsibility. And make sure that you make that little extra effort to find someone, be it in membership or whatever area it is, to get you involved and get you some exposure. I'll be very candid with you. I consider that one of my responsibilities. That's a responsibility I have uh, here at the law firm. That's a responsibility I have in other organizations, and that is a key responsibility uh, and goal that we have to make sure that the next generation has the opportunity to move up uh, here at the AIRA. Well, Grant, I've known you for uh, uh, quite some time now, and I uh, consider you one of my great friends, and I think responsibility really kind of sums up at least part of your view of the profession, accountability, competence, the ethics you talked about. Uh, again, I want um, our listeners to know that uh, you you come from a great firm with a great culture, Alston and Bird, and, and a culture particularly in the business bankruptcy area of, of leadership and, and mentoring. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about your leadership philosophy um, and uh, what you've learned over the years of, about being a leader and, and how that might translate into uh, folks who might be listening to this podcast. Well, let me first say thank you very much for your kind words about uh, me as well as the law firm. Uh, I've been here now 25 years, and uh, it's a special place in many ways. And second, I also very much value your friendship and enjoy it, especially when we get a chance to sit back and relax a little bit and we don't get enough of that. Uh, my leadership philosophy uh, has got two interesting um, foundations to it. As long as you're going to ask, I'll give you a candid answer. The first part of it is that uh, when my children were coming up, I coached their little league teams and their softball teams for years and years not always as the head coach, but often as the head coach. And what I have found is in terms of managing people, uh, it's no different than how you treat seven- and nine-year-olds if you want to get the best out of them, and that is to find ways to be positive and to nurture people's strengths and figure out how to work on whatever weaknesses they have, but never forgetting how to take advantage of what their strengths are and giving them an opportunity to uh, contribute. Second uh, area that I learned a tremendous amount was from a fellow by the name of Stu Aaron. And uh, Stu was the president at my synagogue when I served on the board for many years and while I served as counsel at the synagogue. And he had one of the most outstanding consensus-driven uh, management or leadership styles that I've ever seen. Um, and it, the leadership depends on the organization being led. Uh, at the law firm, uh, my primary goal was always to develop the next generation and ensure that they were properly trained and given the opportunity to succeed because the in my view, success at our organization is measured not only in what I accomplished during my time, 
but what those that uh, take over uh, are able to accomplish. So we have to let the youngsters grow. That carries over into other organizations uh, in which I'm heavily involved. Uh, for example, the American College of Bankruptcy. Um, I am a firm believer that uh, it's important to find opportunities for the younger and newer, not to say that the old people should be put out to pasture, but find ways to get people involved and give them a chance to shine, uh, and that is a good thing to do. But primarily from a leadership standpoint in organizations, it's listening, letting people express their views, not stifling views. Uh, I'm a very decentralized manager. I'm a great believer in the fact that everybody should have the right to be heard. There will be a consensus that develops. That consensus may not be what I always think should happen. More often than that, it is. But I don't have to micromanage, nor do I have to control or dominate. Let the judgment of the people that are involved uh, shine through by having open and candid discussion. And one of the hardest things to do, and I'm not sure if you've run across this, is to ensure that that happens. Uh, and I look at that as one of my major obligations from a leadership standpoint, uh, because not everybody agrees all the time, and you need to make sure that those disagreements are handled in a civil way and that people feel like they've been given due process, even if you end up not doing what they would like to see done. That's a long answer. <laughs> but uh, an important question. I've, I've got another one that's, uh, I think, related to it, and that's uh, what do you think the biggest challenge is facing those who practice in this field? And here I don't mean from a substantive pr perspective. As you know, I, I teach law students to become lawyers, and um, hopefully if I can influence them, they leave my classroom with a, a love of uh, the law and the uh, importance that a lawyer plays in society whether and in their community, whether they uh, uh, ever practice law um, once they leave law school. And, and uh, oftentimes they get tough questions about, well, the law seems to be very challenging. Um, uh, it's a passionate profession. It can eat up all of my personal time. How do you juggle... Um, the demands of, a, of a, a practice of law or accounting or banking or uh, many of the other professions that are represented in the AIRA uh, with a, a personal life, a family life, a, a social life, uh, when everything is moving at um, commercial rates with a uh, great speed. Um, uh, any words of wisdom on, on that constant struggle? Uh, one of the great things about this law firm is uh, the history uh, that it brings to bear. And the law firm had, as one of its great partners years ago, a fellow by the name of uh, Alex Gaines. And I didn't get to spend as much time with or know Alex as much as I would have liked. But one of the stories told uh, about him is he had a very simple view, and that was first is your family. Second is your church. Third is the practice of law. And that's not to say that we're not fiduciaries and that we don't have fiduciary duties to the client, but I've always 
thought that was right, what he said, and that, uh, you know, when you have a family and you have a wife and you have kids, you only get one shot at that. Kids only grow up once, and that should be your priority. After that, business will take care of itself. And, of course, if you're a churchgoer, which is part of the Southern Ethos or synagogue-goer, as I am, or whatever, um, whatever degree of involvement you have there, that's worthwhile, too. Uh, it's very much uh, part of what we do here in the Southeast, although I was like that where I grew up in the Midwest, too. Uh, having said that, you find your balance by forcing yourself to have balance. And there is time to do it all if you make sure that your priorities are kept in order. I remember what a great advent it was when we finally got computers. That meant I could come home, have dinner, spend time with the kids, and then after they went to bed, I could start working again if I needed to. Uh, and the computer made that a lot easier to be able to do uh, as opposed to just staying at the office nonstop and not being home for dinner with the family. And, of course, our commutes in Atlanta make it where that's very easy to do. We don't have multi-hour commutes. Um, I don't have, I think, more to say uh, in response to that question, but you're free to probe a little further if you want. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Let's say, you know, God willing, two years from now, Grant, you and I will sit down and we'll look back over your tenure as president. And if I ask you um, whether it has been a success or not, what what objective measures or metrics could you offer up right now? What are the, what are the ways in which we should judge you two years from now as president of the AIRA? You have to put everything in perspective, okay? Uh, Alan Holtz did a great job for his two years as president, and I am lucky to take over the organization at a time when it's strong, it's well-run. Grant Newton, his executive director, is, is very active and on top of things. We're engaging in new endeavors, Shanghai, being an example, membership is strong, and the economy is going through economic dislocation at an incredible, incredible, or to an incredible degree, which is what our membership uh, is all about, is dealing in that environment. So, to be honest with you, there's no way that two years from now things will be as good (laughs) as they are right now when I take it over. Um, but what metrics would be appropriate to look at, uh, to look at the number of CIRAs, the number of CDBVs, uh, the people that continue to invest in themselves and allow us as an organization to assist them in uh, meeting their educational and uh, practice goals, uh, and then how we're doing with our annual conferences. Are, is the attendance continuing you know, to trend upward? And as the quality of the educational programs has it maintained uh, the very high level and the level of innovation that uh, is reflected in what we do. I mean, you were involved. You were one of the keynote speakers in Las Vegas. Uh, We had a small business track, and then we had a larger track, including keynote speakers that spoke on various aspects of the economy and the restructuring business. What a great job those folks did. And that's, those are the type of things you want to make sure continue to be encouraged. 
and I think we'll be encouraged based on who's going to be involved, as I understand it, in the uh, next conference down in Florida. Well, great. Let's, that answer. Yeah, that, that was a, a great job. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, born in Chicago, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, came to Atlanta in 1974. Uh, uh, where'd you go to undergraduate? Uh, Emory. And law? University of Georgia. And uh, upon graduation, did you uh, start with Alston and Bird or its predecessor? I did not start with Alston and Bird. I went and clerked for two years for uh, Homer Drake down in Noonan, Georgia, uh, who has been on the bankruptcy bench almost continuously since 1964 uh, and is responsible for many of the outstanding developments and the elevation of the bankruptcy practice and uh, bankruptcy hey, a, uh, bench, if you will. What a great guy. Job. What a great guy to learn under. Yeah, it really was uh, extraordinary. But first guy to wear robes, he was involved in 1973 when, uh, when I say robes, judicial robes. Bankruptcy judges used to come to court. It was not the kind of courtroom you think of today. He used to come to court in a uh, business suit, which was fine, but that got changed. Bankruptcy judges used to be known as referees. They were changed to be recognized to be bankruptcy judges in 1973. Judge Drake was involved in those rules. He was involved actively in the uh, legislation that led to and the compromises between the so-called judges' bill and the National Bankruptcy Commission that led to passage of the 1978 Bankruptcy Reform Act, which is what most of us, and, and that's what I learned when I was in law school, uh, have practiced under the last 25-plus years. Uh, he is He was great. So I clerked for Judge Drake for two years uh, before coming to the law firm and have been at the law firm ever since. All right. Well, Grant Stein, president of the AIRA, thank you so much for uh, visiting with us today. Uh, this is Jack Williams, ABI's resident scholar, and thank you all for listening.